Welcome back to another episode of Black Sheep and Bad Apples. I am Lauren O'Brien, and that was a poor intro. Uh, tonight, we've got our our typical lineup, uh, minus Sam. We've got Mr. Sean over here. Okay. All right. Magic. And then we've got Matt on tonight again. Yeah. yeah. Can we get a stimulus program for this poor-ass opening? Uh Fuck, I wish. <laughs> you think they can do that? <laughs> is that what that paper was? Yeah, I just got a letter saying I got my next, the next stimulus. Really? Yeah. Oh, Thanks, yeah, Joe Biden. Yeah, good. That's... It says another 600. What? Yeah, I thought we were supposed what? to get 2,000. Oh, my God. Fuck you, Joe Biden. Yeah, I just got this. Oh. This thing right here. You wanna, hold that. You want to read it? Your uh, second economic impact payment. Oh. What you need to know is just a little information thing because that first one was on a debit card or whatever. Right. But it says uh, payment in the amount of 600 hmm. was think... issued by a check debit card. I... So they just refilled my card apparently another 600 bucks. Really? I'm glad I Again? didn't throw that thing away when I took it to the bank and took every cent off of it. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, or... Yeah, or I guess... Because they yeah, said it's a debit to, card, I, I and then they were going to charge you ATM fees for getting your own free <laughs> yeah. money out. Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> that, after the first time. Right. That's I Right, the first time's free. That's why I went up to the bank yeah, and took exactly. every penny yeah. out, because that was free. But actually, I don't know. I'll have to check my balance and see if it's issued on the same card or if they're sending a whole other one. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's definitely on a card, but they, you know, the card wasn't with it. It was just like, if you don't receive it within seven days of getting this or something like that, then, then call. And you know... Also. Taking all your money out of the bank is a really good way to hide what you're doing with that money. You put it all in GameStop. Yeah. And so uh, that actually brings us to our next trip in the, uh, the, the episode. Good job on the intro, guys. Um, we're going to be talking about Russian espionage tonight. We're going to take a big kind of windy road through like this. Not It's, it's not going to be comprehensive, but it's going to be fun because uh, this particular person who we'll be talking about... Um, primarily in the episode, was really bad at being a spy. Wait, are you saying my government-issued money is Russian espionage? I am not saying that. <laughs> okay. What I'm saying is if you, in theory, wanted to hide where that money went, you would make it not digital. You'd put it on Dogecoin. Yeah, Dogecoin, exactly. Hmm. It's important. And so Isn't tonight... That still... Never mind. Tonight's going to be... It's kind of because I'm just a really big fan of like spies and espionage and like spycraft, and uh, and since you know I'm really interested in like survival and like the techniques used by some of the best, the worst, and like most lethal spies, um, but kind of like Virginia Hall, who was laughed at when she asked to be a spy in World War II, but she they ended up not being able to send anybody else into uh, to Nazi occupied France, and she ended up building up this really cool resistance there and like really helping. Uh, everything out. Also, she only had one leg. Um, so, we're not going to be talking about her. Which one? I don't know which one. Which leg? Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to look it up. Um, but we're also not going to be talking about the Rosenbergs, who were, uh, who were the only Russian spies ever executed by the U.S. Um, they were found guilty of conspiracy to commit espionage against the United States and deliver nuclear information. And, and so... We're going to be talking tonight about like Russia and their works to overthrow the United States. And uh, just as like a disclaimer here, I'm not like afraid of Russia. Like, what, what was her name? Uh, Virginia Hall. Yeah. 
Um, and this isn't like meant to like demon. This episode isn't meant to like demonize Russia or anything like that. But there is some cool like espionage shit going on. I mean, quote unquote cool. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, and and so again, we're just kind of talking about the documented goings on tonight. And we're gonna start off with Vladimir Putin. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's sort of famous. I know that dude. He uh, scored like 10 goals in a hockey game once. He did. He did. Uh, and he's the current Russian president, and he he's spent like 16 years in the KGB before taking office uh, as, as, as the mayor of St. Petersburg. Um, and as the KGB in like Soviet Russia fell, many of the names changed, but the, the tactics very much remained the same. And the GRU now oversees the state of defense and security and kind of continued more or less with the espionage operations. It's like the Russian CIA. Yeah, exactly. And and so so they're like the KGB, but they are a different name. Um, now, a lot of the espionage operations that emerged from the Cold War were actually relatively simple ideas based upon acquiring information. And they had amazing and creative ways of doing so. Like the Minox camera is like small as all hell. It was reliable, durable. And the designers even actually thought of creating a little Coke can-sized development tank for photos. And, and they also like had a little negative viewer, and, and they had a bunch of other gadgets for it. Um, but you could easily conceal this in basically something the size of a pack of smokes. Um, and, and another kind of genius thing that came out of all that was the, uh, the pigeon camera, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, and, and it kind of actually sounds like a fake commercial we would do for this, this podcast, but it was very much real. Um, it was just a camera on a pigeon. And in... in this device was, it kind of operated more stealthily than a lot of other things, um, like a plane or a helicopter. And that was because it just blended in with all the other fucking pigeons, you know? You could fly around and get close to targets and kind of take photos for, like, surveillance reasons. Got lots of photos of breadcrumbs and pizza crusts and... I would like to see photos of World <laughs> War II pigeons and, like, what they were doing during that time. I feel like you could create a, an entire, like... Um, uh, an, what are they called the clickbait things where it's just a bunch of, of, of images of whatever yeah. I feel like you can create a lot of really fun uh, internet uh, commentary on, on what those pigeons were doing in Russia so, um, so real quick here Virginia Hall she tripped and accidentally shot herself in the left foot while hunting birds and then they had to amputate her leg below the knee Wow, did she go hunting with Donnie Rumsfeld? I that's I, I think like, that was Dick Cheney. Uh, oh yeah, and they replaced uh, yeah. it with a wooden one. <laughs> Ancient history. Ancient history. She got a wooden prosthetic after that. Yeah, she's really cool. So she it, had a pig leg. Well, and again, nice. like the the CIA or FBI, I can't remember which branch was like. And she was a spy. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> click, like, clock, click clock, click <laughs> clock. Yeah, yeah and, and the CIA and FBI were basically like. We, we don't have anybody else to send in there. Everybody in there is dead. We have no intelligence. And she was like, I'll do it. And they laughed at her. And then she became the most successful spy throughout that whole thing. It's a pretty cool story. And um, then shot herself in the foot. Well, she shot herself in the foot before. Yeah, she shot shit. herself in the foot and then said, you know what? I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to be the greatest spy. spy in the world. <laughs> I think it was the other way. They were like, no, you have to do this. And she was like, well, just like the war, the only way out, shoot yourself in the foot. So she right. shot herself in the foot and they were like, no, we'll still take you. Yeah. And she was like, fuck. <laughs> I don't think it was that because she parachuted into Nazi-occupied Germany like three times. Jesus Christ, on one leg? Yeah. Yeah, that she's is some a hard badass. Ass shit. Yeah, <laughs> and her escape is even better, dude. She, those those uh, 
parachutes oh. were not that great back no. then. You were not hitting the ground softly. No. Yeah, and, and so there Did was you tons get stuck. <laughs> that... Jesus. Ah so, shit. <laughs> so there was tons of ways to commit espionage and and even more information to collect. And as the Cold War started winding down, this new thing began to emerge. The internet. And see, there's this idea in espionage that if you have to send in tanks or rifles, you haven't done your job. Instead, the goal of good espionage is to undermine government, uh, a government's will and destabilize the trust held in that government. The long-term goal being bringing down your target from within. <clears throat> like and, the U.S. did to a lot of South America. Yeah, uh, basically. During the same time period. Yeah, but so Who was learning from who here? Yeah. And again, socialism doesn't work. It's like we were because the government. The United States was doing it in Central and South America, and the Russians were doing it in uh, what the Crimea and Afghanistan and Turkey and wherever else. Because at that point, the USSR had folded. Are we not there yet? Yeah, and now that we've got the internet, which like in its early years was basically filled with like millions of just archive files from like. Like, useful websites, but there was also a shitload of blogs. Um, it kind of, like, changed. And as it changed, we began to, to see, like, there emerged some new players. Two of them, to be precise. Social media and social media influencers. Oh, so we're all the way into the 2000s. Oh, we're going to be kind of flipping back and forth okay. a little bit in this story. Because, holy shit, it was hard to tell in a single straight line. Um, and as the internet grew, like... These people, the influencers, basically promoted like clothing and like all like whatever. Basically, their sponsors would have them do. They make little videos and be like, "I'm here in jo at Pac Sun enjoying, oh, you know, whatever." I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I just, uh, just watched a documentary, I think, on this person. This short. Yeah. So as we get into espionage, I'd like to introduce you guys to a lady whose real name is Maria Butina. That is Boutina. Boutina, yeah. And it doesn't it's not really funny for you guys, but we have a dog at home named Athena who we call Tina. And so when I discovered a lady named Boutina, can you guess what our dog's name is now? It's Boutina. I call her that all the time. <laughs> uh, but Maria Boutina was arrested and charged with espionage in 2018 for allegedly being an undocumented political operative of Russia and the United States and for trying to establish back-alley conversations with important conservative politicians and perhaps even the former U.S. President, Donald Trump. Maria Boutina was born in 1988 in the Siberian city of Varunal. Her father was a businessman and entrepreneur in Varunal, and he eventually established several uh, furniture ma manufacturing businesses. Her mother was an engineer. We don't really know what she did, though. Um, and so, like, a lot of her story is kind of murky in the early details. And that could just be because people don't really document themselves very well in the early 90s. Um, but it could also be because it's, like, intentional. Uh, but I don't know. But what we do know is that she did study political science in Altai State University and earned a teaching degree. At 19, she was elected to the public council of the Altai Krai, which is kind of like a, a government position. Um, from a very young age, she was politically active and engaged. During BBC.com's investigation of Butina, they said, quote, according to her Facebook page, she has enjoyed using weapons ever since she was a child, picking up a gun for the first time at age 10, end quote. Yeah, so she, hell yeah. Yeah, and so this is where I'm like... Americans and Russians are like not that fucking far apart, except for the language barrier and the Cold War. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you show your ten-year-old how to shoot a gun. 
That's yeah. just how... It, We've been mortal enemies that. since, uh, what, the late 40s? I mean, it was actually, like, around the Bolshevik Revolution where everybody was afraid of communists. And so it was, like, the early... Late 1800s, early 1900s that it was, like... A Bolshevik became a uh, a really insulting slur for to, sure. to random people. So, well, that, so I, yeah, we've hated them for a long time. We've hated them for a long time, but I think when it comes to equality and like countries with love for guns, like like we have, Russia's right next door. Sure, you know what I mean. We're like America, guns. Russia's like Russia, guns. Yeah, no, no <laughs> uh, like, America's like yeah. America's like guns, and Russia's like. Have you seen these? Fire breathing or these these shotgun rounds that literally shoot fire out of them. You can decimate a fucking tree with it. Set a whole forest on fire just by shooting your fucking gun. So using these explosive rounds. As that much we have. as we've been competing with Russia <sighs> for a long time, guns have been involved in the competition. Where yeah, we're I mean, just like think, no, oh, you made that. Well, let's make that. We got to beat Russia. The AK forty seven. There's been more of them made than maybe anything that's ever been made. They are all over the world. Uh, yeah, we all have a friend that has one. Every country has or one or has like a a, a a a AK, but it's not a four. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a forty-seven. Yeah, You're like that's not an AK. It's an AK forty-five and a half. Yeah, but I mean, you can throw them in the mud and then stick some rounds in it, and it'll still work. And that's why it's pro, you know, so prolific. Mm. You know, really, we well might have gun. the best airplanes, but. Russia can build guns. They're arming the world, or yeah. they have armed the world at this point. Yeah, for sure. So, at age 21, Butina would end up at her, kind of in her father's industry of furniture stuff, uh, but she would end up setting up, quote, private, uh, private furniture companies. And she used this to, be kind of, to begin traveling around the world, uh, pr- presumably to sell furniture. But as mentioned, she was still, like, she was very politically active, and she still was at this age. And she started working with, or she was working with the youth branch of Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party, which she described as the, quote, current ruling political party in Moscow. Interesting, interestingly enough, still, the opposition leader in Russia, Alexei Navalny, described her as a decent person. Um, in 2011, when she was 23, she moved to Moscow, selling six of her 11 furniture stores and began an advertising agency. In the same year, Butina founded the Right to Bear Arms, uh, as it translates, uh, which describes itself as a, uh, like a guns rights organization. Um, one of its goals was to make the sale of short-barreled firearms, mostly pistols, available for illegal purchase by civilians in Russia. Guns were clearly something she cared about, which is a really weird statement that I never thought I'd have to, never thought I'd say. Um, but she even all, she was so dedicated to this that she even quoted uh, Mikhail Kalashnikov, the inventor of the AK-47. Um, and she was quoted as saying that his last wish was for the, sm- the sale of small arms in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And of course it is. He's a businessman, you know, like... Jesus Christ. And I don't know like the factual nature of that statement, but it is something that she said. Um, right. And she also appeared in a uh, Russian version of the GQ magazine in an article entitled, How to Create a Weapon Lobby and Not Burn Out, which is foreshadowing, but kind of accidentally so, because she does burn out eventually. Um, the article, which was published in Russian and translated to online, discusses the accomplishments of Butina. Comparing themselves to the U.S., she promotes an idea called My Home is My Fortress. Uh, and and they, they put a petition of that on the Internet to kind of, like, you know, give me guns. And, and the, 
That one out of the three petitions that they put out got more than a hundred thousand uh, votes for it. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. We have a similar thing in America with the NRA and uh, convincing people that home defense is why they need to own a firearm. Mm-hmm. And you know, crime rates and somebody's going to break into your house. You've got to be able to protect yourself. When some crazy person gets into your house, you can't protect yourself with a knife. You need a gun <laughs> by American made. Yeah. And you can't set up like trip wire. Well, I mean, no, that's illegal. Mace. Yeah. So it's I like, I mean, when the amendment was made or, you know, the constitution or what, you know, the right to bear arms, I guess the bill of rights and that, that made a lot more sense. Sure. For sure. It was like, no, you probably need a gun in your house because people will rob you. People will try and murder you. You would like, you're trying, we're discovering a new world. Yes. We are not going to argue if you need a, if you have a gun in your house, because God forbid you're trying to like figure out how to live in a new world and stuff. I think the point of the second amendment actually is to, um, allow for the setting up of civilian run, militias to protect against an overarching state government. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's why like, you know, I think small arms is a, it's a good thing to have. I personally love guns and, you know, love going out and shooting them. And, uh, you know, like, I, I don't think what she's doing here in this scenario is a bad thing. I think guns are something that people, most people should have access to. Um, and, uh, and you know, and a lot more shit got solved when we were like, step out in the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, it's you or me. Yeah. And so, so when it comes Tell to like her, enough for the two of us, when yeah. it comes with to, to her and the guns, I'm super on board with it. Uh, but we're going to quote from that GQ article, how to create a weapon lobby and not burn out. Um, and I translated this using Google. So blame them. If anybody has read the actual article, knows Russian and can translate this. Better. I already blamed them. So quote. At the age of 22, Butina created the right to the right to bear arms, and three in three years, her organization expanded throughout the country, completely absorbed all all similar initiatives, gathered in its ranks from the nomenclature of large parties to nationalists and liberals, entered into cooperation with the National Rifle Association in the United States, and took up human rights and lawmaking activities. So that's a little 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 Freddie foreshadowing there. We oh, want yeah. a gun in the hand of every child. Yeah, and so I'll wait until long... till the fun part gets here. <laughs> I got, I got a little addition to this, I think. Yeah, and so along with the article, GQ published uh, photos of her holding various guns and dramatic lighting, and she's like a good-looking woman, and they kind of dress. That's what up. I was gonna say. Is she's actually like a, a an attractive woman. Yeah, and she's just got... like wow, like okay, like you're. Good, good for you. you. Like, yeah. All right. And she's got this red hair. And in some of the photos, are there's one where she it's just her in high heels holding a gun next to her high heels. And I think that's kind of cheesy and tacky, personally. Um, but there's one where it also shows what what her wearing what it looks to be like Laura Croft from Tomb Raider's outfit with high heels. <laughs> and the caption of the photos detail her outfit. Gucci this, blah, 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 that. Fucking Sean, blah, blah, here. Um, Russian make gun here. Yep. Yeah, Actually, they never describe the guns, and that's what that's what's weird about that to me is that they don't describe who like manufactures them or what yeah. gun she's holding. We don't or what care caliber. what they are; just have one. I mean, yeah. if you're gonna explain the outfit, explain the whole outfit. And I guess it is like, GQ, so they are kind of focused more on like fashion and stuff, not too much about that gun made that guns. fashion. 
<laughs> that's kind of where I was at with it. So I was just like, like those clothes. I was like, what gun is that? Guns. That's beautiful. That's part of the attire. You got to be walking around with that shit. And you were like, not level eight. Now you're level ten. You're like, oh fuck, I'm GQ, like cover photo. Yeah, and so this is kind of where Maria Butina becomes an internet influencer. She becomes the gun girl. Um, <sighs> she did Fire Festival before it was cool. Ready, aim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and as stated earlier, she began traveling to the United States. Her official goal um, was to begin working um, with the NRA in the United States as the gun girl. And this led her to work with senior NRA officials, and uh, it also led to her meeting with Republican lawmakers, and she kind of did that to lobby for gun rights here in the United States. Yeah. She started meeting the power. Yeah. And so this is where it gets good. 1913. uh, Sorry. 2013, rather. I was like, wow. I don't know why I said that. I, <laughs> I was like, she traveled talking. back in yeah, time. I was like, damn. I was thinking of a totally different chick yeah. that just did the same exact I, thing. I think the reason I do that is because uh, some people have called it dyscalculia, where you're like dyslexic, but with numbers. I don't know enough to validate that or whatever, but I think that's why I do that. Because I've kind of noticed that at work counting change and like hearing the podcast being like 300 years in the future and you guys are like wait why are we here and i'm like oh wait i, just I was said it wrong. actually doing some books earlier for the chamber of commerce brag treasury stuff <laughs> plug plug <laughs> hey fork chamber of commerce what what? What? hashtag they're gonna be like please delete this <laughs> uh <laughs> But anyways, I was I was putting in it was like a, a deposit for two hundred and fifty five dollars, and I could not quit. Like I I was writing it and punching it in the calculator, and I kept putting two twenty five, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, why? This is wrong. It's yeah. two fifty five, and I looked and confirmed it, and it went back over and did it again. I was like, what is, like, what's happening with my brain right now? Yeah. I so- I cannot compute. 255 on paper through my hand and back onto a paper, the same number. Yeah. It's like... So let's take another jab at this. In 2013, nailed it, Boutina met a Republican political operative named Paul Erickson. Now, is that where we're calling Republicans now? Political operatives? No, this is, <laughs> this is just a political operative from what I understand. I don't think he holds an office. I think he's kind of a, uh, a lobbyist. He's a Republican voting... If there's offense and defense like football, it just depends on who has the ball. You, you could look that's at him a, as like a, an important, <laughs> rich, white man who is well-connected. Yeah, that's basically what political he's operatives are. He's a frat, bro. Are. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Erickson here. According to, to Wikipedia, he's been a political operative, a lawyer, a business person, and has been involved in several Republican presidential campaigns and has close links to the NRA. He was born in Vermilion, South Dakota, went to university, obtained a degree in economics and poli-sci, blah, blah, blah. He served as a national treasurer of the college Republicans in Washington, D.C. His staff included Grover Norquist, who became a board member of the NRA, Ralph Reed, described as an American political consultant and lobbyist, and a Jack Alan Abramoff, an American lobbyist, businessman, movie producer, writer, and convicted felon. Abramoff was so influential, he even sat with members of the Bush administration. So these people are pretty well connected with only kind of a few degrees separating them from each other. So they're all kind of working in politics, and they've got various various relationships with people in these politics, whether it be aides or the politicians themselves. 
Um, but the, these people are the people that are well connected. So Boutine is kind of moving into this into this new world because she's jumping into the NRA thing. They just laid down on the bed like Rudy Giuliani. Basically. For that woman. <laughs> 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 so you know, as we said. Er- Paul Erickson uh, was what is and was very well connected and met with Maria Butina in Russia in 2015. The two became very close and eventually started dating and then moved in together in South Dakota. Yeah. It was in January of 2015 yeah. that Alexander Torzhin, a Russian politician, became deputy governor of the Central Bank of Russia. Now, Torshin hired Butina around this time to work as his, in quotes, special assistant. However, Butina would later tell the Washington Post that she had never worked for the Russian government. So we got this really high up yeah. dude, Torshin, got the money from Russia. He's like, hey, do me favors. So it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty things interesting. Things get a little spicy. Things get a little spicy here. And, and yeah. later, the, the, the government charged her with this, this crime. So we, you know, according to them, this guy is her handler. So that's why special assistant is so like interesting because they, they would have, she would describe their relationship in various states, but that was like the official thing that she said, special assistant. And I find that very interesting. It's almost like there could be some uh, connection to uh, maybe powerful Russian people and powerful Americans. And I'm just paranoid. In 2016, she moved to the, to the United States on a student visa and enrolled as a graduate student in American University in Washington, D.C. She was studying international relations and re, uh, later received a, a master's degree in 2018, shortly before she was arrested. I like, I like that. She, she studied international, international relations. International relations, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she, she did. was like, okay, if I'm really going to do this espionage stuff, I probably better study it a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, how do you actually do this? Well, the U.S. knows. Like, I'll just go to college. I'll just take a course at the college. I'll just say, uh, they'll tell I'm me all, about all I'll how this works. I'll just go take a spy with... class at community college. <laughs> 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 no, it is actually the American University, which is pretty prestigious. So, um, so in April of 2016, um, Erickson, which is Butina's boyfriend at this point. Um, reached out to a Rick Dearborn, who was an advisor for the Trump campaign. Uh, so this is before he was elected. Or no, this is after he was elected, yeah. And Erickson uh, does this to get advice from Dearborn and a person named Sessions, uh, which I think is Jeff Sessions. Um, but the email is asking how to arrange a meeting between Trump and Putin, which later happened at, I think, the G20 summit, but I can't remember. Um, in May of 2016, Dearborn receives another email about establishing a back channel uh, between Trump and Putin. And so this is when he was running, because May is a- of 2016 is like six months before the election. I think you're right. Yeah. Interesting. No, th- this is 2016. He was elected... In November of fifteen. Oh, yeah. Whoops. So this is this is a couple months into his presidency. Yeah, I think I got that right. Um, so so this is well, and again, he's elected now, so he's the president. So there's this kind of interest in in getting um, getting it paid attention to, if you will, um, from Trump. No, and, he was elected in 2016. I think that matters for this story. He campaigned in 2016. We just had the 2020 campaign, and it's every four years. He, you're, you're right. You're so right. this is in May. 
Yeah. Six months before the election, he's yeah. trying to get a back channel to Putin. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. She's trying to get a back channel oh. to Trump. Yeah. From, w- under Putin's direction, most likely. Most likely. And she was later convicted of that. So we can say that uh, that's the most likely scenario. But I personally don't know. Uh, you know, she's denied everything except for then she pled guilty. But she was also offered a plea deal. It, it's complicated. Nobody knows with espionage. And that's what makes it so like, whoa, what's going on here? I personally think that she's fucking guilty of basically everything that we can, that we're talking about tonight. Mm. Um, so, I just, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm following you on this because it's like prior to Trump and Putin elections. If that's what you're saying, right? Oh, I don't know when Putin like he he doesn't run against anybody. No, he was but a, it was prior to Trump getting elected. Yeah. When in May, like Hillary was probably a minus three thousand favorite on the books. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Trump was still considered. Like, which did he we'll even get, get the nomination that. by then? Probably, I, probably. But Amen. still, like everybody considered him to be a super long shot. Yeah. So yeah. he probably needed some help. He probably yeah, did. No, that's and what I'm like. Actually. The reason I got interested in espionage and Maria Butina in general is because I watched a documentary about Russian espionage um, in the U.S. elections uh, of 2016, and they kind of cover, they kind of flip flop like I do through time. Um, but it was called um, Active Measures, and I believe it was on either Netflix or Hulu, and it was really interesting. And it kind of, I mean, it does the same thing that we're doing here, where it's like it draws this hard line where you're like, I'm pretty sure this thing happens, but like you. It's really hard to tell. Everything's murky, you know? And I personally think that's why people get away with a lot of shit. Uh, So, again, a second uh, letter is sent to Dearborn, who's Trump's uh, uh, political... um, his advisor for his campaign. And uh, this wants to establish that back channel. And six days later, another request was was received by Dearborn via email, which was forwarded to Jared Kushner, Steve Manafort, and Rick Gates. Kushner refused the request. So Jared Kushner's son-in-law is like, no, we're not doing that. And so in September of 2016, Butina met a J.D. Gordon at a party at a Swiss ambassador's home. Gordon was the director of national security for the Trump campaign from February to August in 2016. In an email to Butina, Erickson is quoted as having said, Gordon was at the time, quote, playing a crucial role in the Trump transition effort and would be an excellent addition to the to any of the U.S. slash Russia friendship dinners to occasionally hold. So they got targets set. It seems like it. Well, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, um, we're going to kind of uh, talk about where this is all going because it's windy path. So we'll see you guys, or you'll hear me, I guess, on the other side. Yeah. Break. This episode of Black Sheep and Bad Apples was brought to you by Bats.net. It's just a shipment of bats. Maybe for mosquitoes, maybe for a hobby, maybe to release in some random politician's house so when they come home, they think it's Dracula. What you do with them is up to you. Bats.net. Hey, bro, you gonna peel that onion? Hello, mi amigo. But, dude, this is this is lame. Like, why can't peeling onions be awesome, hermano? I know, bro. Hella lame. It's so lame, essay. So lame. Hey, bros. It's, it's Chad, Chad Johnson's. Johnson's. <laughs> 
peeling onions can take like so many hella days. And it's like lame. Like hella lame. For chicks and bros alike. But like have no fear stuff. Because I'm Chad Johnson's. And I'm here to tell you about my super dope invention. Chad Johnson's is extreme high velocity onion peeler. Whoa, bro. How, bro? Here's how, bros. You take your onion, Chad, bro. and you throw it hella hard at my patented Chad Johnson's is extreme high velocity onion peeler. That's it, bros. That's it. Bro. I know. Just in time for the holiday season, the Fauci Elf by Health on a Shelf is an adorable addition to your seasonal decor. His smiling face waits to greet your family members staying over for the festive season. Unlike years gone by, health and wellness is of the utmost concern, and as such, the Fauci Elf is here to help. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, Fauci Elf was here, as quiet as a mouse, to test your aunt, your uncle, and grandmother too to make sure that no one gets an additional flu. When the house has all settled for their long winter nap, Fauci Elf has science and a jingly hat. One swab at a time, no nose he will spare. With health on a shelf, they'll know that you care. The Fauci Elf. And we're back! And uh, on the podcast, we're talking about uh, spycraft and kind of Russian spy uh, Maria Butina. Uh, and she kind of created a version of the NRA in Russia and began tying that with the American NRA for various reasons. But we were talking about various things. And uh, do you want to share what you learned from that back channel? Somewhat, I don't know where you learned it. But do you want to share that with people before we keep going? Because that is a wild fact that you told us. Oh, well, it really didn't have anything to do with espionage. <laughs> All right. I mean, it, what, it no, might. It, it might, actually. It might. Oh, really? Well, somebody told me, and I won't reveal sources, that when um, they're picking out male porn stars, mm -hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with looks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have that much to do with their dick. Mm -hmm. It has to do with whether or not they can come on command. That's the thing that got so me. So <laughs> they, they stick them in a booth with whatever they need, and uh, you're just supposed to go until they say stop. It could be 45 minutes. It could be two minutes. But when so, they say jacket, you got a fucking jacket. So there you go, listeners. That's something you know. So here's how I was going to relate that is because kind of commonly known in the espionage world the honeypot is it is it yeah it's the honeypot or more known or i don't want to say more known and stuff but maybe a bit more hitting and stuff is sexpionage mm-hmm that's the that's and that's this is that's the buzzword this, the punch word that's where i i like this story quite a bit is because this this particular person was part of what they call sexpionage. Yeah. Where they use, a government or whatever literally uses a somebody, uh, male or female, it goes both ways. That's the old James Bond, you yeah, know, right. like he always gets always gets the woman type of deal and stuff. Well there was also a lot of women that were the same way, males and females and stuff. Yeah. That they used because they knew that their sexual appeal would get them into a place where they could get information. Because lots of secrets get told yeah. over that post-coital secret. No, and there's, there's a ton of... You can watch videos for, for days, I'm sure, and stuff, of a bunch of like actual things where it was like, oh, they got this 
government official while in a room with two hotties, Tepadil or a hottie or whatever, you know, having an affair, having a whatever, even if, and that. Even if it's started, just Mayor Giuliani or former Mayor Giuliani in a room with uh, Borat's fake daughter who's supposed to be 15. And it's been like an it's been like Fuck an age scumbag. an age old like testament where it's like you know we can we can come up with all these clever chess games of espionage and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Sex always works. Yeah. So like, getting it just it, 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 we're we're gonna get into it just a little bit a little bit later. Um, but she was really bad at it too. And there's a quote that I'm gonna take from some publication. Again, we'll get to it. Even and when you're she, like, bad at it, well, it, it works. It, well, it, and, it, and it seemed like she was. It seemed like she would hit on people, and it would be like, "Why are you trying to get secrets from me?" Like it was, it was just like there was no like tact. There was no like cover, you know. Anyway, hey baby, you want to get coffee? Maybe share some nuclear secrets. Yeah. <laughs> like this seems so, like what they warn us about, but it can't be like this, so, right? Maria Butina, her 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 organization, Right to Bear Arms, was was still a big success in Russia, and Butina and Torshin began uh, kind of to establish this relationship between the Russian NRA and the American one. Uh, they began attending at the NRA annual meetings every year, eventually getting the then NRA president David Keane to support Toshin's quote endeavors. Uh, in 2013, NRA President Keene was invited to a conference of the right to bear arms in Moscow, Russia. This was how Butina and Torshin began the process of international gun rights conferences. What if the NRA was a uh, communist all along? I mean, it's like a perfect uh, little combo. It's like you know when you're young and they tell you, yeah, they tell you uh, never point a gun at anybody, even if you know it's unloaded. Yeah. Type of deal. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing in this. They're like, yo, politician person, don't ever point your gun at anything for any reason. Because <laughs> even if you know it's unloaded, so, you are just going to lose. You're just going to fail. You're going to give away our <laughs> secrets. It's, it's like you're going you're gonna to shoot us in the gut right now. It's, it's like no matter how powerful our satellites and our microscopic cameras and microphones are there's still no match for a beautiful man or woman indeed yeah, exactly indeed. <laughs> and and so torsion and butina actually got nra members to attend the right to bear arms annual gun conference in 2015 so these people flew to moscow russia these nra members flew to moscow russia and uh some in attendance were paul erickson and he, uh, there's a lot of people but it was Paul Erickson and a Milwaukee County Sheriff named David Clark. Clark spent nearly $40,000 attending the event, but the NRA paid for all of his expensive, uh, expenses. rather. It was later discovered that Right to Bear Arms paid six grand to cover some of his expenses as well. So take that as, as you want to. Hell yeah. That dude was buying nothing but top shelf the whole time he was in <laughs> Russia. So the Daily Beast published an article in 2017, and I think it's really revealing as to who Maria Butina is and how she kind of operated within the United States. So we're going to quote that here. Quote, depending on the audience, Butina has presented herself as a Russian central bank staffer, a leading gun rights activist, 
advocate, uh, representative for the Ru Russian Federation, a Washington, D.C. graduate student, a journalist, and even a connection between Team Trump and Russia. And she used each role to help her gain more high-level contacts in the nation's capital, end quote. So from what we've established here, we can see that Butina has either pulled the wool over the eyes of the Republican Party, or perhaps more sinister, parts of the Republican Party have gotten into bed with Russia. Hmm. As we've seen, Butina quickly began to build this, this network of American Republicans, uh, lobbyists, and gun enthusiasts, gun enthusiasts, even at one point attending a Trump rally in 2015. In 2016, she began a business with Ericsson. Now, nobody knows what Bridges LLC does, but it was a business that they began together. And my speculation leads me to believe that this was a shell corporation in which to launder money. That's Sounds like they were trying to sell you a bridge. Sounds like it, but nobody knows what they did. And uh, I think it was, it was a business to launder money, and I think that partially because Paul Erickson uh, was eventually uh, charged with money laundering. And so again, I'm almost sure that this was it, but again, that's just an opinion, and I, I have no fucking clue. Um, what is known is how close Boutina and Erickson had become. And so we're going to pivot a little, just a little bit away from like the two of these, these guys, and uh, we're going to turn over to a little bit of spycraft and internet espionage. Um, because I think it's really important to talk about when we're looking at this case and kind of what's going on in the Republican world building up to 2015, 2016, 2017, and how, how there's a, this kind of guns push and this kind of fervor, this militarism that's kind of coming to fruition. We want a civil war and it's coming. So um, a CNN article entitled, A Former KGB Spy Talks Disinformation Tactics in the 2020 Election. So they, they have that article. And in that article, they go back in time a little bit to 1983. And this uh, 1983 report on CNN television, they outlined Soviet disinformation tactics at the time. In this article, they said, and I quote, the report detailed how Russia was suspected of using forgeries and planted stories to wreak havoc in the West during the Cold War through influence operations rather than with military might. And these tactics didn't stop with the fall of the Berlin Wall, end quote. So putting two and two together, we can see like this disinformation tactic being used by Russia, and it's been being used for decades now. And a big help for this espionage tactic came when the internet came and brought us all together so we could share memes about cats or whatever. State-sponsored Russian propaganda mills have been around for a, pretty much forever, I want to say, but I don't know that officially. Um, and researchers have shown that in the later part of the 90s, Russian websites were focused on the liberal and democratic spheres of influence. But after the millennium, that changed. After 2000, we began seeing a swing towards the right and the conservative. Now, this could be because computers weren't as readily available and access to the internet was limited in the early 2000s. And the trend could be seen, and it could also be seen as the Russian citizens getting access to the internet as it became more widely available. So there's a couple of reasons this could have happened, and we don't know exactly what happened. We just know that, it, that there was this big swing over to the uh, conservative side of politics. In January 2012, a hacktivist group, allegedly a part of the anonymous movement, <clears throat> excuse me, leaked what were alleged to be emails from important leaders in the Russian government. Journalists and researchers found that the emails discussed a pro-Kremlin group that had arranged for social media brigades where members would be paid uh, for likes and comments. 
Some were paid outlandish amounts of cash, as much as $21,000 in a month, for leaving negative press articles and comments on the internet and social media. A Time article uh, published in 2018 did an interview with a former troll, Vitaly Bespalov, uh, who saw a job listing online looking for, quote, content managers, and the listing said it would pay around $700 a month. Uh, there were no requirements, he recalls, no job descriptions. From that Time article, quote, the daily grind was simple. Create fake accounts on social media and use them to post comments online as the boss instructed. The broader effort of the factory, however, was a state-of-the-art propaganda campaign. And over the next few years, it set out to interfere in the course of U.S. presidential elections, according to an, according to an indictment handed down by special counsel Robert Mueller. So they were funding a whole farm of trolls. There's a lot of that coming. And, and it's hard to pin... I personally couldn't pin down who is funding this, but I think it's safe to say that it it's probably the the, the GRU, the you know the government in Russia. Um, again, that's speculation. I don't know, but it sounds like basically that, or somebody in the private sector had a very special interest in uh, in certain members of the presidential campaign. And what's interesting too is is as I talked about active measures, the documentary um, they talked about how there was. Uh, there, there was a, a way to put money into people's accounts to basically put them in your pocket. So if if I was a handler and wanted to take you, Matt, and uh, and and the the way to do that would be to rent out all the hotel rooms in your hotel tower. Thanks, buddy. In Mar-a-Lago. So it's just something to think about. I was just thinking too. It's kind of interesting that the potentially. The Russian government was funding a farm of trolls, if you will, social media. I just want to, like they're putting yeah. money towards a social media campaign, let's say, and that, and then we have Trump who becomes president, and at the same time, is the most popular social media present president. Like everything, he's also the, he's also got a lot of capital hit, in the private you know, sector. So I'm just like, it's kind of interesting that both governments at this point are, for some reason, competing on a social media platform. I'm just wondering who owned the building. That's going to tell us a lot. We've all been on the internet, and uh, you go on Twitter, and you see your basic pro-MAGA post, and it's some guy with a picture of an American flag as his bio, and it's like, you know... Douglas Simpson, 106-97845. And you look at his posts, and they're all the same shit. That's straight out of a, a bot farm in St. Petersburg. Yeah. yeah. And I think we all are aware of that at this point, because it's hard not to notice it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to continue on that Time article a little bit here, um, because the article discusses how Vitaly and his bosses operated, and I quote, uh, its bosses operated... Uh, its bosses imposed a few strict rules. First, never be late and never leave early. Second, never criticize President Vladimir Putin online, at least not while on the clock. We were not even allowed to say anything funny about Putin, Bespalov says. We, we would either talk positively about him or not at all. And most of the people that worked in, in this place uh, just saw it as like a, a job for money, guys. Like it, they just like working at a gas station for them. Um, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but the trolls still operate today, as Matt was saying, and they've had to kind of change tactics. And the New York Times wrote an article about this in March of 2020, outlining how these troll farms have changed. 
their their first uh, their first show their first thing shows shows a photo of a Facebook post by a page called quote Heart of Texas. In the page's post, you can notice their spelling and grammar isn't all that good, with a caption of the photo saying, quote, Amen to that. Texas is a heaven of earth, a land given to us by Lord himself, end quote. And the photo has a coaster on it saying, quote, On the eighth day, God created Texas, end quote. However, Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> however, the trolls are learning, uh, and the article discusses how they're now learning how to copy and paste things in order to avoid these spelling and grammar issues. And they're, they're trying to, like, fly under the radar, remain undetected. Another thing they've changed is the posts used to have a lot of text and, like, a shitload of hashtags for, like, maximum reach. But they've kind of, like, toned that down uh, for the same reasons. They're also, uh, they're also used, they used to try to build these, like, large followings, but have since moved to remaining, you know, just, just under the radar of everyone. <laughs> Excuse me. Good beer. They've run many pages like, quote, Blacktivist, American Muslims United, Progressive View, Confederate Florida, Islam Nation, <laughs> Radio, Acti Radio Africa, and Being Patriotic, as, men as, as well as many, 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 many more, guys. <laughs> now, this last page, Being Patriotic, is where we get back to Maria Butina, because she passed through many of these same circles. See, according to the court filings, quote... This is uh, her in, in, uh, indictment uh, filings. Quote, U.S. Person 1, which we later learned was Eric Paul, uh, Paul Erickson, rather, is a United States citizen and American political operative. Butina established uh, contact with uh, Erickson in Moscow in or around 2013. Erickson worked with Butina to jointly arrange introductions to U.S. persons having influence in American politics, including an organization promoting gun rights, here and after referred to as Gun Rights Organization, which is all in bold, and I love that they do that in this shit. It's so boomer. Uh, for the purposes of having advancing the agenda of the Russian Federation. U.S. Person 2, later learned to be George D. O'Neill Jr., a conservative writer and a Rockefeller heir, is a United States citizen who was included among the participants in a series of email communications in 2016 and 2017 that reveal Butina's efforts to arrange a series of dinners in the District of Columbia and New York City involving Russian nationals and U.S. persons having influence in American politics, here and after referred to as friendship and dinner dialogues. Butina told O'Neill that the Russian official was, quote, very much impressed by you and that the, uh, uh, end quote, and that, quote, the Russians will support uh, the efforts from our side, end quote, to everything. So, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, internet trolls that are kind of leaning towards this right-wing conspiracy kind of stuff. And then you see Butina is also infiltrating these same, the same world. And so there's this active, active engagement in this. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Again, Active Measures is a fucking great documentary. I know it's the third time I mentioned it, but fuck, dude. So all in all, when Butina arrived to the U.S., the FBI immediately began following her, guys. So, like, she wasn't being secret at all. When she arrived here, they were like, that's probably a fucking spy. You can't hide if you're an uh, influencer. Yeah. Yeah, no, she was full bore on social media. Like, yeah. She, every day, she would, you know, daily trends, blah, 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 all this type of shit and stuff. I'm here now. I'm there now. I'm, like, you can fully track this person yeah. through social media very easily. Look up her account and just be like, "Oh, she was here's her time frame today, tomorrow." The you know, like, 
There's, she was trying the hiding in plain sight. Trip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of that. But like, again, hiding she in plain was sight. terrible like, at it. <laughs> it'd be like if Kendall Jenner decided to be a spy. Yeah. It's like you're too famous for that. <laughs> so, all in all, like the, the FBI had this like gut feeling about her, but they didn't want to jump the gun. But don't. And instead, opted to keep an eye on her, who she met with, how she advanced her goals, and their ultimate question what was her goal? With all said and done, they followed her and discovered her secret. And impre- uh, the impressive and terrifying thing about this was that she actually got to like one, like maybe one, two degrees away from Donald Trump. And that's kind of what her endgame was. Luckily enough, Butina, when drunk, had the loose lips that sink ships. Vice.com wrote an article in 2018 entitled, White Russian Meddling. <laughs> Accused by Maria Butina reportedly blew her cover because she got too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. She comes to the United States and she's like, I'm a fucking spy. I'm so good at the spy shit. And the FBI is immediately like, that bitch is probably Yo, a spy. She's probably a spy. Let's watch her. And she's like, I'm probably a spy. And then the preceding years later, she gets drunk and she's like, hey, everybody. I'm a spy. Would you believe me if I said I was a spy from Russia? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, kind (laughs) of. You talk about it all the time. Anytime she gets drunk, I swear to God, Nancy, anytime I literally took you off my Facebook friends list because my my feed is filled with you just posting pictures about how you're a Russian spy. Like, real funny, no, kind of annoying. Yeah. So I'm going to read... The FBI's like, this bitch is kind of acting like, <laughs> obviously, like a Russian spy. So like, I'm, why'd they send the drunk drunk broad over? So I'm going to read a little bit from a, the, that Vice.com article. Um, quote, Maria Butina, the 29-year-old woman arrested for operating as a, a Russian secret agent in the United States, was apparent, uh, apparently not so skilled at keeping secrets after a few vodka shots. Fucking shots fired by Vice. She's Russian. Uh, she should be able to yeah. drink a bottle of it, vodka. I was like, like vodka? They well, fucked I thought up that was on, water. They fucked up on the training on this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Continuing the article. In fact, Butina repeatedly bragged about her work to a spy. Uh, her no, work it's like as a how spy. You, if, you, if you drink whiskey, you take on your old accent once you get drunk. You know, mm, yeah. like your accent comes out. She'd start drinking vodka, and her Russian accent would come out. Be like, hey, here's America. <laughs> I want to see it's dead. <laughs> But uh, continuing the quote, uh, in fact, Butina repeat, repeatedly bragged about her work as a spy for the Russian government while drunk, sources told N- CNN. On two occasions, classmates were so distressed by Butina's claims that they reported her to law enforcement. Even sober, she wasn't exactly careful with how she communicated, favoring apps like Twitter and WhatsApp. Other sources told CNN that Butina was so click... <laughs> was so quick to use flirtatious behavior like a footsie to get the attention of men at political events. <laughs> And she was raising suspicious with her heavy-handed overtures. That's on like that. She fully employed the classic sex espionage, but like a James Bond movie, where but it was like a like, really Yo. shitty James Bond. Yeah, but like you picked up the wrong broad for the like, like a trailer, I like you... the Russian Austin Powers. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. a trailer park James Bond, Jimmy Bond. <laughs> hey, I'm Jimmy. You want fuck? You can tell me your spies. I'm sorry. I'm a spy. I mean, you can tell me your secrets. I mean, you want fuck? Like, just I mean, bad at it. Let's go trade secrets in the bedroom. It'll be fun. Let's let's role play. That's that's what they. You told never me. trade bedroom secrets. That's what the government of Russia told me. They're like, what'd you say? In that? Oh, nothing. 
We should probably just go do the You duet. pretend that you're a high-ranking U.S. government official. I am a high-ranking I'll pretend government. that I'm a Russian spy. <laughs> you into it? I need another shot. He's like, fuck it. Fuck it. Bad. Fuck it, yeah. This is so dumb, it can't be true. And then that's where you're like... It's like, what buddy paid for this? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is a prank. And that's where I kind of actually give it to Russia a little bit, where I'm just like, motherfuckers know Americans so well that they know our dumbasses will be like, oh, fucking Jimmy from, from fucking marketing is getting me again. <laughs> but I'm still going to get one over on this fucker. Like, no, fuck that. He's going to get his money's worth. I'm fucking digging this chick. And I'm telling her everything. And I like the idea that Matt brought up where it's like, it feels like a prank where you're like, who's, who paid you to do this? Why are you in here? Which one of my buddies paid you money to come in here and flirt with me and it was, try to fuck me? It and was like, oh, no one. I just want nuclear secret. And you're just like, all right. Ms. It was fled. Yeah. <laughs> come on. You're like, yeah, you're so convinced as an American that you know where this is coming from. You're like, oh, the fucker from the office is just trying to get me because we're, we're FBI. We never thought we'd be FBI agents. Like, you literally are like, picturing weekends where you're like dude we made it in we're secret agents <laughs> and this yeah. is cool and then you literally have this dumb shit that they're like they told us watch out for like sexy chicks and i was like hey, right she's a gun girl she can't be yeah. a spy <laughs> and then you get in the actual predicament and you're like oh fuck yeah that was childish I mean, is shit Ru is russia just throwing everything at the wall as and then seeing what sticks, like they're doing the online stuff. They're sending cute girls to America. So I was thinking, for the sake of that, it's how they infiltrate their pers the perspective of training a little bit more. So Russia's like, no, if we throw even the dumb shit at them, the the dumbest chick you could imagine that's literally trying to get us fucking espionage, fucking information, she bullshit winks and with stuff. both eyes. She literally gives up the fact that she is, yeah, exactly, that she is a spy. They won't even fucking think that the real spy that's doing the deep shit is fucking there and stuff because they're like, no, dude, seriously, guys, I know you're new to the FBI, but watch out for these dumbass broads that want to fuck you for information. And they're like, wait, sex is These guys weren't FBI, though. They were like, uh, they were nobodies, basically. It's like, I'm working on a political p campaign. Well, I'm a calling him a nobody isn't exactly valid, because these are very rich people, like Wall Street-esque people who have money, but have also moved from this, like, Wall Street, like, kind of uh, business-y money world, and have kind of blended that in with politics. Because, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a lot of fucking money in politics. Right. And so these people are actually really powerful and important people who work kind of behind the scenes, like a Paul Manafort or a Roger Stone or people like those. Because those people are rich, and they are important, because you don't see them, but they decide a lot of fucking shit about various nations. And in fact, Which, Roger Stone and Manafort commit, committed war crimes. If the American so. government is smart enough to understand that that's an actually like part of their, their tactics of getting at us and stuff, then I can only imagine what the first lady, if you will interrogation technique is like where they're like sit the fuck down you're telling us everything well isn't yeah. she Russian she or Bubutina? no or, uh, Ivanka is Ukrainian I believe oh right yeah. but you know what I mean just for that that essence of like if the American government's actually aware of how the Russian 
so we'll send everything at us. Like they're doing it from the dumbest broad you've ever met in college to the smartest one you've never met type of shit. The smartest robot that and they that, can create. Yeah. Well, I like, see what you're saying. I, I just they, imagine they that put like, a lot of low hanging fruit out there. They get really high skilled people in there too. But then you're gonna pick the low hanging fruit and be like, "We got them. Look at us. The parade in the But streets. then I just imagine that they've got a line of paperwork, if you will, and in time where they're like, "Yo, your husband." or whatever, is about to be a high-ranking politician. We need to talk to your wife. You know, like Oh, they do that. And they're like, yo, wife, kids, family, right. sit in this room. I'm sorry, whoever. And that your kid's going to get interrogated. Your wife is getting it. Like, we are fucking digging deep. And like, cool, you made it to this rank. Your families. It's like this old mobster shit, you know, type of deal where they're like, yeah, I'm glad now that you're the mayor or whatever. We need to talk to your family. Yeah. You're yeah. Like alone. Which actually like, oh, comes shit. into play a little bit later. Well, that's what mobs really are, is like rogue states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. They have like, the same kind of political cabinet members which in this, that like, a nation would have. In this essence, that's on like it still kind of proves how like the American government and the Russian government are still fucking like the biggest mobs in the world. Yeah, that's sure. like you want to be a mob? No, you got to be the government now to be the mob. Yeah, and stuff. Well, we, money on Friday, bitch. And like, the good yeah, thing like, about some of these mobsters is that well, they get caught, which is where we're—that's the corner we're about to take. Um, because in June of 2018, two years after she arrived to the U.S., Maria Butina flipped on her boyfriend Paul Erickson. She'd been brought in for questioning, and uh, she had decided, "Fuck him," and started helping prosecutors with their investigation. And his illegal money, uh, with their investigations into his illegal money moving. And this is funny because six weeks later, Butina is arrested in Washington, D.C. and charged with being an, quote, unregistered foreign agent of the Russian Federation working to infiltrate politically influential organizations in the U.S. and to influence U.S. officials. If you're a spy, you got to be registered. If you haven't registered on the spy database, you're going to jail. That's actually very true. Yeah, that's how it works. You have to yeah. register as a... As a <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break and we're going to kind of look at, um, when we come back, kind of the politicians around the, around the United States and see what they kind of think about the thing because it's pretty interesting. Anyway, we'll be back. Talk to you guys on the other side. Break. This episode was brought to you by snakes. Pray with them. Love them. Cuddly. Release them into your yard as pest control. Piss off your neighbors. Put them in your teacher's desk drawer. Snakes. Their limitations are equal to their amount of legs. Snacks. Hello, we'd like all citizens of our great nation to consider getting a laser-guided orbital defense lasso cannon. We, your generous supervisors, are now willing to offer big discounts on cannons between the 19-inch variable detonation to the new 46-inch cluster launch. It has always been the American dream to own one of these bad boys, and with the incipient space mime invasion, our losses are your gains. God Emperor Justin Bieber has issued an executive order to offer tax write-offs and subsidies to keep these sky snakes flying through the atmosphere, effectively giving you, the American Patriot Consumer, a steep discount.
So order now from your local district commissary. Laser guided orbital defense lasso cannon. Let freedom ring. This episode was brought to you by... That's cool, man. And... Remember, if you don't touch it, someone else will. Black sheep and bad apples. And we're back in our various states of inebriation. Uh, Before we go on, how are you guys uh, feeling in general? And how are you feeling about the... About what we're talking about tonight. I was thinking, I don't think our inebriation varies too much. It's pretty much smoking and drinking. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't do drugs. I just very, smoke weed. It's various states of that. So yeah, okay. We are yeah, I was just like... Sometimes. I just wanted I, to we, clarify that it's we, not like sometimes we're like, oh shit, where I smoke I too mushrooms. much. Yeah. Well, this DMT is really getting me now. We, we were just talking before the. <laughs> you went with we all. You went about, with the hippie drugs. I like how you you yeah. kept it safe with that. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. Sure. Like, uh, damn, I did too much cocaine tonight. I oh, microdosed shit. on some mushrooms, brother. I'm really feeling it. <laughs> no, but we were talking about how we actually all started feeling stoned from our various uh, marijuana products. So it's uh, it's it's uh, we're feeling good, feeling good, been a little giggly. Having fun. How you guys feeling about our spies tonight? Our really, really shitty spies. It's pretty dumb, right? I'm waiting for them to do something cool. Sex. Trying <laughs> to do something cool. So we're going to jump back into it. Immediately after uh, Maria Butina was arrested in July of 2018, people get, began to like speak out against like their their involvement with her, like to, to cl- kind of clarify their involvement with, with Butina. And so NRA spokeswoman Dana Loesch reached out to Mother Jones News, who is a uh, who we are big fans of here on the podcast, and clarified. Uh, Dana Loesch wanted to clarify that her denial of the 2015 NRA trip to Moscow was perhaps misunderstood, because now they had evidence that she did go there. Uh, she told them that they went there unofficially to Russia as the NRA. They were not officially on NRA business. And then a U.S. House representative of, Calif- of California, Re- Republican Dana, I'm going to butcher this last name, Rorbusher, I think is, is that name, um, later told Politico he wasn't certain if he was uh, the U.S. congressman mentioned in the indictment of Butina. He tells them he did in fact meet with Butina and other congressmen in Russia in 2015, but claims the charges against Butina are, quote, bogus and functions of the, quote, deep state. Oh, yeah. It's also noted that Rorbusher is still quite a, uh, a pro-Russia and pro-Putin guy. Uh, it turns out he had also met with a KGB agent and mayor of St. Petersburg at the time, Vladimir Putin. I've heard of him. And this was less than five years into Rorbusher's political career. He was, he was elected, I believe, in 89, and this was in 91 or 92, so it's not a whole lot of time. In an article from Newsweek published in 2017, quote, uh, that quotes Rorbusher is saying... Torshin, our Russian banker and maybe handler of Butina, was quote sort of a conservative, uh, sort of the conservatives' favorite Russian. So he's, he's yeah, we, we we like this Russian banker guy. He's he's a pretty good guy. The FBI even contacted Robertshire, stating that his support for Russia was quote allowing Russia to cultivate him for its purposes. 
After Trump won the 2016 presidential election, Warbusher, which I'm pretty sure is how you pronounce his name, um, continued his pro-Russia stance, despite plenty of people disagreeing that he, he hold that position. On December 11th, 2018, CNN reported that Butina pled guilty to spying and, quote, will cooperate with the prosecutors. Two days later, she officially pleads guilty to trying to infiltrate the U.S. conservative movement as an agent for the Kremlin. Her and Erickson had been working to create an inter like to create international ties with the NRA officials and conservative leaders while working for and taking direction from Alexander Torshin, our Russian banker. Due to her cooperation, the, prosecu the prosecutors allowed her to take a plea deal, which dropped the charge of unregistered foreign agent. She eventually pled guilty to conspi conspiracy to act as a unregistered foreign agent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it, but I thought about it. I, th I thought about it real hard, and I had plans to do it. Like I, the, I did uh, write it down, but I didn't commit it. The blueprints were there. I like Charlie Day from uh, from uh, <laughs> from It's Always Sunny in that scene where he's working in the mail room, and he says something along the lines of "So and so isn't real." Oh man, that's such a good line. I wasn't gonna do it. I just wanted you to know that I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pepe Silva isn't real. Yeah, so she's uh, like, "Tell you what, give you three Russian secrets. You dropped a conspiracy. I'll be back on Instagram in two and a half years." Ooh, interesting. Oh, interesting twist. Your... <clears throat> so, so on par. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a game, right? In April of 2019, she was sentenced to 18 months in prison, of which she she served five of those months. She was released in October of 2019 and deported to uh, back to Moscow. Oh, this is where it gets good. Not too. to derail this, but when you talk about the justice system being such a clown show, did you hear that that from our last call back to our last episode talking about the uh, Ku Klux Klan uh, march on the mm -hmm. White House, the dude in the Viking hat? Yeah. He got moved to another prison so he could get his organic food. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 But of course, if you're. Was that in San Francisco? <laughs> no, we went to went to Virginia, brah. Oh, you so know, Sean, well, they're surfing where, the. Where you still get to get a pack of cigarettes for free? Yeah, at least uh, you know once two a, bucks once a month or whatever. Right, right. So, Sean, I don't really have a whole lot more to cover on uh, Boutina, but it seems like you've got a thought on her. I. Uh... So this girl. That's this is where I kind of like I, I don't want to say I give it to the Russians and stuff like that, but I just find it very like, very deep in the consideration of espionage and stuff. Where I'm like, you damn, really thought about I'm like, this. damn, Russia, you were going like full step, like, and I got to give you a little credit, like that's some fucking like, you guys aren't fucking around with that shit. You send the dumb broads out, which I can only imagine you send the actual trained ones, like really good ones out too and stuff. Like, I'm Well, sure, and dumb I'm broad sure. is kind of a, a broad statement because she did graduate from several Oh, clubs. okay, and that's so right, she, yeah. She's smart. She's just But I, I guess that's where the conspiracy Reckless. takes it. And I say dumb broad in like a general act. Yeah, like no, and I know what Generalization, you, you know. Is, she is, obviously wasn't the best. Like Hollywood best. dumb broad. She was and not, I guess that makes... She was the Mr. Bean instead of the James Bond. Well, no, and this is where I, I give it to like Russia for knowing America so well. is like they gave us literally a Hollywood dumb broad. Right. 
to prey on dumb guys' egos. Yeah, like a Hollywood, to make a, a Hollywood dumb to use broad could be on people. A Hollywood could what the f- no? A Hollywood dumb broad could be a girl that graduated from Harvard, dumb broad. She still went to the best college you could in America, but she's still in that stereotype of like this, this sexy, attractive, dumb broad. Yeah, does she know rocket science? Of course. But she's the dumbest one that knows rocket. She still acts like this very ditzy you know, very person. stereotypical American blonde joke, if you will. And stuff yeah, like yeah. That. Ditzy. And they throw the it word. in there. And it kind of works for a while and stuff. Where I found it kind of like hilarious, though, was they threw this girl in there. They trained her in America, which is great. They were like, no, you need to know how to infiltrate America, but talk to us. So they trained her in American colleges. International relations. Yeah, in international relations. And then she's a social media... Like, they took advantage of all these American things. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, and people fall in love with not just sexy women... But pictures of sexy women Bro, on social that, media. But QAnon conspiracies and shit. Like, Democrats eat babies and drink their blood or whatever. Like, And then she had multiple partners with very high-ranking officials, which to me just exploits media content, which is now part of social media. Social media is all about feeding the ego. Yeah, so, so they figured out how to throw this girl into a high-ranking college... She wants attention. Because politicians that are decently ranking will seek out high-ranking college chicks versus, like, your typical just, like... We need well-qualified. We, yeah. we found out what happened with Monica Lewinsky. If you're going to yeah. get caught, you're going to get caught with some, like, Harvard chick, not some fucking community or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting some... You're getting in deep enough to make at least braggable later when you lose your career. Then... She goes all the way to the. Finally, the government's like, "All right, start telling us that, telling us well, the shit." Hold on, she like, almost gets to the tippy top of that like government. She sphere. almost peed on Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, but keep in mind, all her espionage, tra- like communicating back to uh, Russia and stuff like that, was done via like the her handler. The wor- no, the worst platforms you could do it. She was on like Facebook. She what got her literally caught and uh, and officially arrested was a tweet. Hmm. Exactly what Donald Trump was doing his entire presidency, yeah. which brings me back to this as well, that the Russians were trying to infiltrate in a weird social media platform, and on top of that, Trump was combating, and I say that kind of in a way of a double meaning and stuff, combating United States ways to get at people and stuff like that but also in this russian thing with tweet tweeting tweet twitter and stuff like that like doing all this fucking social media shit mainly fucking twitter and then twitter was also what got this girl caught up on espionage they finally literally waited for her in a fucking like starbucks lobby while she's drinking her coffee doing her typical college hot girl like I go to Starbucks every morning and I get on my laptop and I do my social media and then I do my whatever and my whatever and that's how I spend my day and hopefully I run into somebody cute 
and stuff like that in probably a rich neighborhood where those politicians maybe kind of come to or whatever. Anyways, uh, and then was like, yo, handler, I got the details. I don't know. Like, we live in Trinity County. We got this weed growing thing going on. And it's still so stereotypical that it's like, yo, dude, you say pizzas if you got to say it all over the, <laughs> over, over the phone. Jesus. Otherwise, use the WhatsApp or the Signal or the whatever. Which and she tell was me using that you got, and they you got communications packed. from that. It's not and very still, good. And still use fucking code words on that shit, too, just in case it's like a triple backup on the yeah. triple backup. You know? I always thought it was funny when people were like, oh, no, I don't talk on the phone. I only use Signal. And I think, I'm think pretty sure Signal was developed by the FBI. It's funny about that, no, too, no. because the... Yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's cause... pretty much what Snowden did. Yeah. So it it's kind Which of interesting because... got out of and then used it to... So the, he could communicate more or less without the uh, NSA. Right. So do you guys remember when everybody out. on Facebook was like, we need to get off Facebook and move to Parler. Facebook's a communist No, I don't remember thing. that. Well, yeah, because you don't <laughs> use Facebook. But anyway, there's this big hubbub about like, um, you can't say that Michelle Obama is a transvestite that fucks and then eats children anymore. You just can't post that anymore. It's it's too graphic and it's bad and it's wrong and unintelligent. And people were people were like, you know what? Facebook is censoring these images that I'm posting about so and so being so and so evil kind of person. And uh, and so everybody was like, let's move to Parlor. Let's move to Parlor. And I learned later that Parlor steals a lot more information than. Than uh, Facebook does. No, so that's, that's an interesting. I guess interesting what I find twist. it funny though is like even in just like basic espionage things and stuff, or illegal illegal crimes. Let's just say, let's bring it real way down to like, not espionage. No, just like you want to tell your buddy you're gonna steal something. There's an app for that. Right. Literally an app that like, I know for sure based on the people I know and stuff that like. I looked into the encryption in this stuff, and I was like, hey, what's this? Like, I, uh, family member used to be in the NSA, and I mentioned that, like, this is how we communicate when we want to send some real shit and stuff, and he was like, okay, let me check that. He's a cryptologist and stuff, you know? And he goes, oh, fuck. He goes, no, that's no fucking around. He knows how to do it deep, like, way deep and stuff. That's what he does for a did for a job and stuff and he he's like no this is breakable but in like 50 years damn based on the way we like we can break it but it's going to take so long that it's unimportant for us to try and stop some drug trafficking on something that we're not like we're not even going to be able to solve a simple drug deal like, we'll just take a screenshot of your iPhone before it gets sent through. No, the and that's the whole thing with this encryption. The only way you can actually possibly get into it is on the phone it was sent from. So you would have to steal the phone specifically and then break the phone and see it on that specific phone, but you cannot intercept it. I'm pretty sure at this point there's um you can definitely like uh, slave a phone. Or you can like you know hack into it to where you can watch 
the information that, or whatever's happening on that that's phone the, from a remote location. That's what I'm getting at, though, is that's the encryption on these apps is you can't do that. It literally yeah. encrypts what you could, when you, if you hacked into the phone, you wouldn't see it. You have to have the phone itself. And that's part of the encryption, and that's where I was getting at. I was like, he's saying, like, it would take us literally 50 years to finally break the code to see what's on there unless we literally were able to grab the phone from you and look at it and stuff, and then we could know and stuff. That's the only way. And this is where it complexes me is in this story where she's just like, and, oh, tweet to handler. I'm going to use... The packages well, in the destination, you know. She's using, like, WhatsApp, which is, like, not as secure as most people think. And it, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such okay, a funny I, story because, like, she's bad at espionage, you know? She's just... She's, like, not good at this. She's not subtle. No, she's not sneaky. Pretty... As soon as she landed, the FBI was after her. And it's... She's, she's just bad at this. No, and that's what I was getting at is I believe what her literal, like, actual arresting... A final thing was that they needed for proof was she sent a tweet. Maybe she had been using WhatsApp, yeah. but she finally her final thing was they caught her in like a Starbucks lobby and waited for it, and she hit send on a tweet. It was like, "Yo, the package has arrived." In some lamest terms, yeah. So and they were like, "Go get her." So because she just messaged a handler via a tweet. And not like crazy important information, but she made the fact that she is actually now directly connected with this, with all this previous lineup of information. It was like, no, now we have public access to a, like, you do talk to this person, and we know you've done these things. We can directly connect now that you are in connection with a Russian politician and that's what does it. And I was yeah. just like, are you fucking shitting me? And the thing about Butina is that she's not like the first and she's most certainly not going to be the last Russian agent in the U.S. In 2010, 10 Russian individuals were arrested following an investigation by the FBI. 10, quote, sleeper agents under, quote, non-official cover were, uh, were arrested and an 11th was arrested in Cyprus. They were charged with, quote, carrying out long-term deep cover assignments in the United States. The one arrested in Cyprus escaped after posting bail, and another who worked for Microsoft in Seattle was arrested. Apparently, he had just gotten there and had just, quote, set up shop and, uh, and had been held on immigration violations because there was no sufficient evidence to charge him with a crime, the government officials said. The old casino rule. Yeah. Now... Paul Erickson, if you'll remember, Boutina's boyfriend, uh, a friend of Andrew Breitbart of the right-wing news media, Breitbart News, uh, was charged on February 6, 2019 for wire fraud and money laundering in connection to a scheme to defraud investors in Compass Care and, quote, investing with dignity, I think is the name of the business. Um, and those were, they were kind of a startup to, to make, uh, uh, they, to, to manufacture wheel chairs. So, kind of a pretty dick move. Um, Were they manufacturing wheelchairs because they didn't have a leg to stand on? Oh, well, again. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so he was, he was arrested. trombone. <laughs> so he was arrested and released on bond. But in November of 2019, he was arrested again for wire fraud and money laundering. This time he was trying to screw over investors in an oil development scheme in uh, North Dakota. Um, however, a very important man granted him a very full presidential pardon on January 20th, 
2021, Trump's last day in office. Now, I've talked about Butina and the various people she was in league with, but I'd like to to kind of shift over from Butina here and back to like Russian espionage. And I want to do this just for the end of the episode because there was an interesting article published by uh, published October 20th of 2020 by GQ written by Julia Ioff. The article is entitled The Mystery of the Immaculate Concussion and it is a very great article. I encourage everybody listening to check it out. See, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because a lot of what is discussed around this story could be deemed as like a conspiracy, which is correct because this is a legitimate conspiracy. And I want to just take a minute to delineate a conspiracy theory versus an actual, real, tangible conspiracy. So, we're going to quote a little bit from this GQ article I talked about. Quote, Mark Polymeropoulos Polymeropoulos woke with a start. Feeling of nausea was overwhelming. Food poisoning, he thought, and decided to head for the bathroom. It was when he tried to get out of bed, he fell over. He tried to stand up again and fell again. It was in the early morning hours of December 5th, 2017. And uh, it was the early morning hours of uh, December 5th, 2017. And his Moscow hotel room was spinning around him. His ears were ringing. He felt, he felt, he recalled, quote, like I was going to both throw up and pass out at the same time. Polymeropoulos was a covert CIA operative, a jovial, burly man who likes to refer to himself as grizzled. Moscow was not the first time he had been on enemy territory. He had spent most of his career in, in the Middle East fighting America's long war on terrorism. He had hunted terrorists in Pakistan and Yemen. He did the same in Iraq and Afghanistan. He had been shot at, ducked under rocket fire, had shrapnel whizzed by uncom- uncomfortably close to his head. But that night, paralyzed with seasickness in the landlocked Russian capital, Polymeropoulos felt terrified and utterly helpless for the first time. Struggling to regain control over his body, Polymeropoulos couldn't have imagined that his, this incident would upend his life. It would end a promising career that he had, that had just catapulted into the ranks of senior CIA leadership and threw him into the middle of a growing international mi- mystery that had puzzled uh, diplomats and scientists and raised concerns on Capitol Hill. In the months ahead, he would come to realize that it wasn't a spoiled sandwich that had mowed him down. Rather, it was his it was his macabre in initiation into a growing club of dozens of American diplomats, spies, and government employees posted abroad who were suffering in much the same way he was. Targets of what some experts and doctors now believe were attacks perpetrated by by unknown assailants wielding novel, directed energy weapons. Though many of these apparent attacks have been publicized, including those that took place in Cuba and China, others have not been revealed until now, including at least three incidents that officials from the CIA and Capitol Hill say targeted American citizens on American soil. And the rest of the article goes on to discuss kind of the these these microwave weapons that have been used in various instances. And GQ does a very good job of covering this. So again, if you guys at home are listening... Um, <clears throat> go and go and check out that article. And th- this whole thing is important to note because conspiracies do exist and they occur every day. One only needs to look around basically to find one. However, many people are lazy and easily convinced and prefer simple spoon-fed conspiracy theories, like Marjorie Green, a, a Republican in the House of Representatives who believes the uh, believed at least the most simple lazily constructed conspiracies that one can find on the internet, including Jewish space lasers. 
2018 and every year before and after, California has been hit with massive wildfires. If you follow the news like I do, it's pre pretty easy to see how a storm can come in and how a lightning storms can develop out of that. And when those meet dry forests and lightning hits subsequently, havoc starts to wreak because, you know, hundreds of fires are being started. It's very easy to follow if you watch the news on a day-to-day -day basis. However, Marjorie Green, at least at one point in time, thought that these fires were caused by these Jewish space lasers, huh. one of many far-fetched and highly unlikely conspiracies. And I'd like to quote from Media Matters here, quote, In November 2018, California was hit with the worst wildfire in the state's history. At the time, uh, future representative, uh, representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, wrote a bizarre Facebook post that echoed QAnon conspiracy theories and falsely claimed that the real and hidden culprit behind the disaster was lasers from space triggered by some nefarious group of people. Greene's post, which hasn't been previously reported, is just the latest example to be unearthed of her, of her embracing conspiracy theories about the tragedy tragedies during her time as a right-wing commentator. In addition to being a QAnon supporter, Green has pushed conspiracy theories about 9-11, the Parkland and Sandy Hook school shootings, the Las Vegas shooting, and the murder of Democratic staffer Seth Rich, among others. Green also has a history of pushing anti-Muslim and anti-Semitic remarks. So we can see in the article from, like, the GQ did what's called shoe leather reporting, and it's basically journalism at its finest. The person with whom they spoke to seemed to know what they were talking about, and so far, no intelligence agencies or news uh, newspapers have come out to repudiate the claims made in that article about these, these, these uh, uh, energy weapons. GQ took time and effort to, to make that article well-written and understandable, it was about agents using directed energy weapons on various agents of, uh, of espionage. It was articulate, sourced, in a first-hand account. That's good journalism. And then you have the fucking dumb-dumb QAnon conspiracies, where everything is off the fucking rails and turned up to fucking 11. Marjorie believes, uh, again, or believe, depending on how you feel about her apology, that there's a mysterious cabal of, like, baby-eating Democrats who are hell-bent on using Jewish space lasers to set fire in California. Like, it's fucking crazy, guys. These conspiracies are crazy. Like, even the sentence that I just said was fucking hard to write. I've definitely met people out here, because of all the wildfires, that I've never heard anyone talk about, like, Jewish cabal space lasers, but I have definitely heard people that are absolutely certain that some of these wildfires are caused by... DEWs, direct energy yeah. weapons or lasers, especially the one down in Sonoma that like burned down neighborhoods at like such a fast rate, but that um, trees were barely scorched, but the houses were all burnt to a crisp, mm. and like the uh, everything in the house was melted, and they're like only lasers can do that. And I mean, I don't know enough to say that direct energy weapons haven't been used before. Well, you're um, saying right now that they're being used against these. Uh, these people in different parts of the world yeah. that are connected to the American government. Well, yeah, and, and I think it's a little far-fetched to say that it starts like the Jews are trying to start forest fires in California. Well, like, <laughs> that, uh, but like I'm not discounting that space lasers are real. Yeah, space right. lasers now, are I've, perfectly feasible, and I'm like, sure I've actually we could find evidence for that. Same source I was talking about yeah. earlier and stuff has told me there are space lasers, and like they they have spent money on infiltrating Chinese rockets from hitting America because they launch them into space like an arch, you know? Right. Shoot them up and have them go into space and come back down and stuff like that. 
maybe like a I've always kind of wondered like a weird way to be undetectable if you can shoot it past right instead of flying under the radar you fly over the radar and stuff but they've figured out how to you know track that where they're like oh shit there's one coming up into space here shoot that shit yeah and they were and fucking shot it with the yeah. space laser and fucking blew up a rocket that was literally meant to hit america yeah and stuff and that's i mean i've i've heard that direct from like the and then news. they're like hey everybody there's a comet that only passes by once every hundred years it's well gonna... <laughs> what you hear in the like the media and stuff like that for sure and that but uh like you know i've i've told a story a couple times so i'm not going to get into it too much about that the craziest shit i ever seen in california sky down here and stuff was you know shit that i directly realized was re-entering the atmosphere i was like what the fuck is that you know and it was not just myself not mm. by myself it was my buddy and me we were not high on drugs we were not very just had a couple beers and that was it and shit and then looked up some articles that was like oh you know that china just doing some, like some shit just went off off track and i explained this to the person i know and they were like, no, dude, like, I'm telling you, like, and I guess I'm probably not supposed to say this on, like, public, public whatever and shit like that. But it was like, no, dude, this was something we spent a billion dollars to push a button. And we shot a laser to intercept this, this Damn. thing that was targeted Do you think for our him. first cease and desist is going to be from NSA? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd be from the bass player from Blink One Eighty Two. Fuck yeah! That, I mean, I'm down. I'm down for it. If NSA contacts us for the letter, I'll be. Well, we'll, we'll have an episode just for NSA. And Hell yeah! Like that. That's called an interview. That's all like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, dude, for uh, you know relaying Anyways. information that you're not supposed to tell, and I just told across the World Wide Web, but yeah. It's so, like, no, that's where I'll just call you conspiracy theorist. So yeah. that's where I'm like, I never thought about it in a weird conspiracy way of space lasers. Like, oh, space lasers are creating fucking California wildfires. Fuck, I never thought it. Even, I never went down that road at all and stuff. But then you say that, and I'm like, well, I can see where it comes from because space lasers, for me, are real. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think that's actually not real. I think there are space lasers that are. Like an American defense and stuff. We have that shit. We got a Space and Force stuff. now shit. It seems unbelievable and stuff, but no, there are space lasers up there that are fucking helping defense America because we used to need the Navy and the Army and all this stuff. Now we need space defense as well. But then I think that's where conspiracy theories blossom from and stuff is you have this like, we have space lasers and... Three quarters of the people can't even believe that's true, even though it is. And then you have a quarter of people that believe it's true, but then the other three quarters of the people that believe it's untrue are like, well, we kind of think it's factual because I do know somebody that I trust that believes it's real. And now I'm questioning that. And then that's what they translate into well, if there is space lasers. What if they accidentally, like, when they were testing it, 
it shot down and it hit California and, that's where it and comes lit down the forest it, on fire. It's always this what oh, if. Oh, now you know? they're doing it on purpose. Like, what if the Jews made space lasers? We had to pick a like, desert to know. Well, like, Jews knock. have all the money, so they must have built the space yeah. lasers. So I want to quote again from Media Matters real quick and just kind of wrap this whole thing up. Uh, quote, and this is t- still talking about um, uh, Marjorie Green. CNN's I'm going to get M- so many calls from my family. Yeah. I can feel already right now. CNN's M. Stank. Uh, Steck and Andrew Kaczynski recently reported that on uh, Marjorie Greene's Facebook page, quote, Green repeatedly indicated strong support or support for executing prominent Democratic politicians in 2018 and 2019 before being elected to Congress, end quote. So that was before she was elected. And so I guess what I'm trying to leave you guys with is, is like direct energy weapons exist, spies exist. These things are, are all like real. But if we get caught up in every, like, strand or thread of, of, like, information out there, like, whether it's disinformation, misinformation, whether it's a conspiracy theory, we're actually playing along with this, like, really weird, like, Russian psyop when we start doing some of this. And it might not be Russian, but it's an actual psyop, which is basically broken down to just having us believe the most divisive, dumb shit is fucking possible. So, like, you guys listening at home and you guys here in the studio, like, challenge your theories for various reasons. Like, find information that maybe can punch holes in your logic and see how your opinion stands up. Because, again, like, conspiracies are real, but not everything is a conspiracy theory. And as I've said a lot of times on this podcast, like, again, some uh, conspiracies just exist because people want to sell you products. And it's an important thing it's important for them for you to be scared of these things. And and so it's important for you guys at home to know the difference, you know. For instance, Jewish space lasers don't exist. They don't exist as that title. But direct energy weapons do exist. But their existence doesn't prove any any theories that like they were used to start California wildfires. And furthermore, we know direct energy weapons are used on espionage and counterintelligence uh, agents and, and communities. So there's always like a kernel of truth when we dig into like these conspiracies and, and it's important that we take as much care to thread the needle between these kernels of truth because somewhere among all this mess of information is some semblance of truth. And that's, so, so that's, at the end of this podcast, I just want to leave you guys with a final thought from Khalil Gibran who said, quote, say not, I have found the truth, but rather I have found a truth. So, yeah, I was gonna completely agree with you and i'm i'm glad you explained it like that is i feel like that's how conspiracies of all sorts and manners are really actually uh bloomed from Mm -hmm. is there is a kernel of truth it's it's undeniable undeniable that you can you can find a kernel of truth at all these where you're like well like literally that's provable that's fact. true but that is, a, that is a truth but what ends up happening is then you find a kernel of truth i know i saw this i know this happened i can there is no de- denying that this this small this little thing i was witness to it's 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 pot and i'm not this is in my head on whatever and this is what kind of happens and then you get the group effort you know a little bit where it's like no the five of us saw this shit we agreed upon what we saw to make sure that we didn't whatever let's just say for example and stuff like we all see this shit right agreed agreed okay and that's agreed upon 
but then the information that's released about what you literally saw does not add up to what you literally saw, let's mm-hmm. say. You know how crazy And then that's was- where the the blooming blossom effect happens. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, because there is not an actual factual good There's source of answer. information to, to come to. Oh, this is this what and you like you you were led to then again have to having to question it. Well, if you're saying this, why would you say that if this is what I saw? Mm-hmm. Well, I can only argument that, that that must lead to this. Just asking questions is never proof of anything. But I just wanted to say how crazy it must have been in the 80s if we were all <laughs> sitting around having a conversation. Oh, man, the CIA, they're selling crack cocaine in the inner cities. It's like, like no, no fucking way. Shut up. Out of your fuck, mind. You're and then, and then the information does come out later. You're, you're like, like, oh, that, that was true. Oh, sense. shit. That's crazy. <laughs> fuck. Oh, that that crazy. I probably shouldn't have ousted fucking. That old hippie was right. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, maybe these old hippies I thought he are did right. Too about... many drugs. And yeah. it's like, well, he did do too many drugs, but he also <laughs> was like. Serious See, about drugs, this one particular thing. Wildfires were started in the 2000s with direct energy. It'd be like shit. Turns All right, out the, I'm turns fucking, out the government I was testing wrong. space lasers and let California on fire a bunch of times, yeah. and not every time, because sometimes, like a majority of the time, it was lightning. But every fucking you know, every four years, one out of four years. times that there was a California light, like wildfire, turns out it was actually from a space laser. Yeah. Because a dude literally saw, he was like, whoa, that ain't lightning. And he was like, maybe he was a little high, growing so He smoked a doobie, had a beer, was enjoying his atmosphere out on the porch, playing the guitar a little bit with his buddy, and they were just looking at the stars. And for some odd reason, not a lightning strike, a laser beam lit a fucking tree on fire, and they were like, whoa. And they looked at the doobie, and then they had to tell somebody... And they told people, and forever on, they were like, dude, you smoke too much, man. You're seeing shit in the sky. That's how I know you smoke too much. And then 50 years later, they're like, yo, dude that you thought was smoking too much, literally saw a laser beam fucking light a tree on fire in California that started the biggest wildfire they'd ever seen. Maybe and you're what... like, fuck. Maybe that explains why Trump was like, you know, when the fire hits him and the trees explode... Maybe it's maybe it's that reason, because like, according to the, to this this uh, GQ article about the direct energy weapons, they were like microwaves and shit, and so uh, like, used to say you couldn't heat up the uh, the base of a tree. I seen some kids on a fucking video that they recorded and put out. I don't know YouTube or TikTok or whatever like. Some video platform. One of the new, I don't know, kids things. The, the, the shit you can put videos out on that goes fucking people see and all that shit. It's Anyways, everything on the internet. They, <laughs> they took apart a microwave. Your household standard microwave. Mm-hmm. And they took a Folgers coffee can and they put the microwave mechanism in it. And then hooked a, a Folgers coffee can to a 2 by 2 Stick eight like by eight foot stick. They made a rifle out of it, and put a little like connect wires here. Like I think they had a car battery or what, whatever and shit like that. And we're like pointing it at, at objects, and we're like, all right, hit the power, and fucking 
I guess the car battery wouldn't do it, but you know they. Uh, I guess they took the plug in. You know they yeah, they more yeah. or less gutted a microwave and, and installed the the guts of what makes what's happened. So what did it what did it do? It fucking would blow up fucking mirrors. It would shatter glass. <laughs> if you pointed it at an object, it got fucked. That's what happened. And they had multiple things where it was like, is this? And I watched this. It was like truth or fiction. It was like, no, this is actually real. This is now, real but thing. I would really reckon because what happens is the metal canister focuses the energy right. where your microwave keeps it contained. They took all the guts out and put it into a coffee can, which focused it into a direction. So if they pointed this shit at yeah. something, it melt your your fucking sister's Barbie doll. It would shatter glass. It would do all this shit like that. And they were like, "Yeah, it's true." It's highly dangerous. These and, kids are super stupid shows, because one fucking mismark, like you point that at your buddy, fucking count your organs, fucking got it. Yeah. It really like shows that. how like. And easy, I was like, if the common folk, yeah. It really shows how easy like uh like this kind of stuff is to do. You don't have to import like these these Minot cameras like they had back in the day. You don't have to stick uh, a handcuff gear up your butt in order to have a spy kit up there. I got a like, microwave rifle and a potato can and come no, at me, bro. bro. you can make that some shit metal, here in the United States. Some and middle that's why, school kids could fuck a raid up. And, yeah. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, they and could just be like, what happens if we shoot 100 people? We just span this across the crowd of people right that's now. That's why I like domestic oh, terrorism is fucking scary, that's bro. That's happens. Like, when, when you think about, like, if... If you're if some kid in his backyard is able to do a fucking YouTube's about it, like imagine what actual people could do if they actually wanted to fuck people over in a, in a public setting. That's why it's so important for people in power to keep the us normal people as fractured as possible, because we have more at our disposal than I think we realize. No, and then there's that one kid that's like, yeah, I hung out with those kids. But he actually decided to get a science degree and now works for some weird, crazy government fucking place. And it's like, you know what? I I remember my friends making a microwave gun when I was fucking 10 and put it in on YouTube. Yeah. What happens if I do this with a government funding? Oh, yeah. we, we, can, we can microwave fucking the Philippines? Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Here's Hiroshima and a microwave gun. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we just wiped the city out with a fucking rant. So I, I'm not actually against space lasers. Because I think, you know, fight space lasers with space lasers. And but if you're like, going to test it, why I'm not? just against major laser. I don't, I don't if you're going to test is. a gun like that, why not shoot it into a California spot where they already have wildfires and just light one and see how, how readily they could put out that situation. Hmm. You know what I mean? Where they're like, you know what? They got firefighters. They're they're ready for wildfires. Blast a tree or a forest section. Start a fucking not not kind of a wildfire. Give them the fucking extremes. I mean, See you're it. looking at it from outer space. Northern California is empty. Well, and what it's I'm not get, LA. It's what I'm not, getting at you know. though is like, yeah, no, exactly. It's like now do some give the other guy the job with numbers translations and shit and be like. We just hit a place. It took them, it took them five months to put out the fire in this type of area. What happens if we hit a city with this shit? Oh, it's five months now. That's that's fucking. We just devastated that that area 
for a year. Now we're getting into conspiracy theories again, boys. Exactly. The difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory is you can't get recoded for a conspiracy theory, I hope. Interesting. Well, with that little tidbit of wisdom, I think we're going to close out this evening. Uh, It's been fun talking about the possibilities of espionage and the very real chance that some members of our current American system have been... You know what I, I I do got to add to this, though, before we close out? Again. Is with all these conspiracy theories and hot chicks doing sexpionage. One of these times, I'm not going to lie, in my minuscule amount, I'm like, man, I wonder if I've I've slept with a sexpionage person. That you're was not like, that important. I was going to say, know. <laughs> you know your level of importance by whether or not really pretty Russian girls are coming if, up to you at the bar. If the, no, government, I, okay. if the government or a powerful corporation hand you a key card or a badge or any kind of like, you know, a, a, a dingly fucking I'm thing just saying, off your maybe chest, I, then you're probably going to be having no, no, people around I mean, you that are like, they, hey, uh, can I... Gonna fuck you for some information. So think about this chick though. When she first came to America, she didn't go straight to the top. She had to work her way up, which meant she probably had to sleep with a couple of the minor, like she the secretary the... guy she... or the janitor guy that was like, "Yo, <laughs> no, like, she just, I'll get you the just... job here." And they like, they were like, hey, later learned they're like, "I just fucked a Russian." No, she, she just spy. went. And, like, she just went and was like, "Hey, NRA, can I talk to your president?" And they were basically like, "Yeah, sure." Nah, see, I like to, I let. I like to let my mind go a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, I know you know, you maybe when this girl was like working her way up the ladder, she slept with a couple roughnecks like myself. <laughs> and that person is the one that's like, yo, I've slept with Russian spies. She like got really drunk like and, they was got like, this little and was like, oh, you don't know anything? And you're like, no, man, I just delivered coffee last week. For yeah, that. exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm like. And I'm like, maybe I was one of those guys once. Like one time there was this chick that came through that I'm like, you know, I thought you were a little tricky. I thought you wanted some information, even though it was just some weird thing. Like, it didn't make a difference. I fucked a Russian spy. (laughs) Fuck yeah. And on that note, we're going to end tonight's episode. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, If I got anything wrong, please correct me. Um, I want to thank you, Matt, for being here tonight. Thank you for having me back. No problem. Thanks. Again, uh... Do you have anything to plug? I know that you've been doing stuff. Plug, you know, been trying to get this album finished up so it can be so we can release a single soon. Hell yeah. You know, went up to the studio this weekend and tried to work on the final mix. Gonna listen to that in nice. a minute. Yeah. So where can people find you online? MatthewWallaceMusic.com. Hell yeah. Probably the best place. Or follow me on Instagram at mean Matt Music. Because I'm Excellent. a son of a bitch. Hell yeah. You are kind of a son of a bitch. No doubt. And you, Sean, thanks for being here. Appreciate your oh, yeah. uh, your help in putting all this together. Can I'm we, can here. We, can we find you online anywhere? It's nice to thank a guy for being at his house. It is. It is. It's. Oh, can we yeah, find technicalities? You know, house, studio, where you live. It's uh it's all wish wash and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, so. uh. I guess as far as fourth corner goes, I don't have a whole lot out there. I, I like to leave it a little bit ambiguous and kind of, for some odd reason, I'm like, I'm like, I should work on a marketing, and then I do not ex- like so, myself at all. I guess you can find Sean on Facebook and Instagram at Merit Parcel, something to that effect. You can find him on the Tubes of You. Uh, we are. Um, he's got a website, Merit Parcel. 
I'm going to get a uh, fourth corner full full spectrum going here pretty soon. It's actually in the works. We've been um, re reorganizing the yes. studio. A Things bit in the studio have stuff. changed and, drastically, uh, actually. We're going to start doing definitely some series that's fourth corner series. Yeah. That you can start checking out multiple bands, yeah. uh, including Matthew Wallace and Merritt Parcel. Yes. Yeah, so can't at, wait. At the uh, fourth corner studio executive is it suite. A, is it a, on Tubes of You or the Fast Book? It's, it's going to be across the. Hmm, probably the YouTubes mostly. Yeah. And that and stuff. We'll kind of cross link on the Facebooks. It'll be on the internet. You'll find You'll be us. able to find it. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if you're hearing our voice, you know who we are in person. <laughs> and if that's the case, you already know that I'm Lauren O'Brien. This is Black Sheep and Bad Apples. Thank you guys here for being in the studio with me. And thank you guys. Where do we uh, check out the Black Sheep? And Bad oh, you can find me on the Tubes of You, uh, the YouTubes, and uh, also have a Facebook. I know eventually I'm going to expand across platforms, but those are the places you can find me and us band currently um but having said that thank you guys for listening to this whole thing and, and for, for doing your thing we're gonna get out of here uh so have a good time yeah <laughs> that works <laughs> <laughs>